And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Batter up! Welcome to No Bunts here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I used to say No Bunts, the show for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Podcast Network, but it's serious time in Major League Baseball. It's playoff time. No more casualness about this show. We're getting down with it. With me here in the Classic Factory is the man making the magic happen, JD. Hello. Oops. A rough start today. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Oh, One gosh. whiff. You get three strikes in baseball, awesome. JD. You're Great. Good. Two uh, left. <laughs> we've got eight days left in the regular season. It's coming, JD. Playoff baseball. The Yankees clinched the AL East in a win over the Blue Jays Tuesday. Former Yankee CC Sabathia jumped on Twitter to say, what slump, bitch? Uh, a couple <laughs> asterisks in there. And we're lucky to have on someone who was in the building. Longtime friend of the show, because he's talked Raptors and NBA on the show. But now, his primary focus is baseball. He's a host of the Jays Talk Plus show on the Fan 590, co-host of the Fan Morning Show, and Raptors reporter as well. He's a busy man. Blake Murphy is here with us. Blakey, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's uh, only fair. You came on Jay's Talk Plus. I come on at the Classic Factory. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you because you love baseball so freaking much. Uh, we'll get. We'll get to that. Listen, uh, we'll get to Judge obviously in his chase for 62. All the walks happening yesterday. Uh, we're gonna do some 1992 Braves Jays World Series trivia. We also did a little of that on your show. I mean, that era of trivia. Right. I'll tell you, I like being on that side of it better than being in the hot seat here. <laughs> oh, I, no. uh, I was like five or six years old. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> They're all meatballs, sort of. Uh, but we'll get to that. I had a lot of fun doing that because that was my series, uh, putting those questions together. But we'll get to that. But first, it was Looney Hot Dog Day yesterday <laughs> at the Rogers Center. A dollar per hot dog. So how many hot dogs did you consume, Blake? So my answer to this is actually zero and i'll tell you why wow. so i went with uh i went to the game with my buddy fab who's a, a lifelong yankees fan um and he rolls up with a full pizza because you can bring in your own food and he just he showed up with a, an extra large pizza for us to share so i had no need for the looney dogs i had tried to get a hot dog monday at monday's game and they were out of buns so i was very <laughs> worried for looney dog day that it would be a bunless disaster everyone just having you know wieners yeah exactly raw dog in it exactly Um, (laughs) yeah thank you thank you thank you for not holding back like i did i said wieners i wanted to raw dog it but thank you for for bringing the heat uh yeah were there forty thousand just people just holding wieners yesterday no hot dog buns yeah so i don't think we have the total yet on (laughs) stride of of sports that has been tracking it very intently uh and he has a source within the organization that gives him the numbers each time um, yeah, 50,000 is kind of the number people were hoping for. I, I crunched numbers based on the attendance. You would have needed 1.23 to 
dogs per person at the Rogers Center. I don't know. 1.23 is not a lot of dogs given no. the size of them, but that requires everyone yeah. to get involved. So maybe if it's only, you know, if it's only 10,000 people are getting a dog, you got to get five each. Quick and, math. And you have uh, people like your friend coming in with their own food. That's that's phenomenal, number one, that, you know, he was very thoughtful uh, bringing in a pizza. But number two, I'm shocked that you can bring in your own food. Yeah, it's a little known thing about Rogers Center. And once people realize it, they they're usually like people take advantage of it for a little while and then the novelty kind of wears off. But yeah, I've seen pictures of people bringing in charcuterie boards, buckets of wings, whatever. As long as it's not a beverage with the cap opened, you uh, you're good to go. All right. As I said off the top, you love your baseball because you could get in with your credential but during this Yankee series, you told me off air that you've purchased tickets to all three games because you want to be in there as a fan, potentially to see Aaron Judge break the home run record. He's stuck on 60 through two games uh, against the Blue Jays. He hasn't hit one in seven games overall. The Jays are pitching around him. It's quite clear. He did have some pitches to hit yesterday, but he did end up walking four times in Tuesday's game. He was intentionally walked the night before in extras. But I know you appreciate playing by the percentages. You just broke down hot dogs within a, a <laughs> 0.2 split second. So, you know, weighing both sides because the Jays are playing it smart, uh, but obviously you're there as a fan to see Judge break the record. How do you feel about the Jays playing the percentages? I was okay with it on Monday's game. So the extra inning scenario where you intentionally walk him, um, you know, I sat down with the numbers yesterday and it was like a slightly positive move to walk him and face Rizzo. Um, you know, my my math wasn't as detailed as theirs would have been. Um, and, you know, that's fine. You're playing to win a game. You're in extra yeah. innings. Open yesterday's base. Game, and open, well, you, sorry, it was first and second, two out in the, yeah. in the 10th. They loaded the bases. It paid off. Game yes, over. It did. There Tim Mesa gets gets Anthony Rizzo, and then Vlad walks it off in the bottom half. So um, no issue with that one. You're winning a game. Yesterday, I guess technically that was a close game, and had Vlad and Bo not both made base running mistakes, or in Bo's case, a base running mistake and a fielding mistake, you could have been in that game. But by the end, it was a little bit of anticlimactic, I guess. And I'm all for pitching carefully. I think Jose Barrios got – maybe a little scared after he hung a fastball that judge missed and mm -hmm. it was like right over the heart. And he might've been like, Oh my goodness, if I do that again, I'm toast. Um, but there were some other ones, you know, not to pick on this guy specifically, but David Phelps was up one, two on him and then didn't really come close to giving him anything. And, you know, once you're up one, two, I, I don't know that the numbers would say, be super, super careful. Don't throw competitive pitches. Um, the other thing is Aaron Judge has a tremendous eye. Like, he's got a walk rate up around, like, 22 23% since the start of August. He is very good at not swinging at things that, you know, this is the thing we've talked a bunch about this year that Vlad's had trouble with, laying off stuff that you could maybe poke for a single and waiting for a pitch he can really drive. Judge is elite at that. Yeah, I say the word drought, as in he hasn't hit a homer <laughs> in seven games. But, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of hooey. If you're watching the games, he's making – a huge impact out there uh, because he's walking a ton. He's got a 548 on base percentage over the seven game, air quotes, drought, uh, that, which is ridiculous compared to his 425 on base percentage for the season, which leads the majors. So he's getting on an absolute ton. A lot of it 
is the walks uh, that are that people are pitching around him. Um, but he's he's getting on base a ton in this leadoff spot that he's gone to uh, full time. Yesterday, yeah, four walks plus a rope essentially that he hit uh, to third base to to Chapman who grabbed it. But we are getting here into the uh, the nitty gritty. This is this is not a lock anymore. Those three tickets that you bought. Uh, in hopes for, I saw you break it down on Twitter. These are the chances <laughs> you thought that you know he'd he'd hit. You assumed that he would hit the record. Well, I mean, even before this series, right? You didn't just didn't expect him to go through this drought. So, I guess you're not. You might see the tying one tonight as we record on Wednesday. But you know, uh, big picture, you think he's he has the. Is he going to do it? Eight games left. Two dingers for the record. Yeah, I think he will get it for sure. And part of what gives me confidence in that is the last four games, the Yankees play are against Texas and they're all in Texas. So pretty hitter friendly park and a team that is bad and has nothing to play for at that point. He'll probably see some, you know, the typical September. Oh, we'll call this guy up from AAA and just give him a, a, you know, a pat on the back for a good minor league season. Let him come in and get crushed by Aaron Judge. Uh, you'll see some of that, you know, the Glenn Autos of the world trying to trying to deal to him. Um, yeah, tonight I, I'm I'm hoping for the at least the tire, but in a Jays win. Like the Yankees clinched the division now. They functionally don't have a lot left to play for other than get to the postseason healthy and in good shape. Um, the Jays need this. Their magic number getting pretty small themselves and they could clinch as soon as today i think if the orioles lose um so yeah i I would love to see a judge home run that is the lone yankees offense in like a 8-1 jays victory yeah you bring up the rangers four games there god i hope we we see a, a, a glenn otto what a great baseball name pitch to judge i hope the rangers don't hold back and do what the Pirates did a couple of weeks ago in, a, in an 11-2 game and not pitch to him. God, I, I I hope so. And that's interesting about the Rangers being a, a friendly park for hitters because, yeah, Judge took that one to the track last week that would have been a homer in other parks. Um, so it's uh, that's an interesting one here as, uh, yeah, they, they go Jays, three with the Orioles, and then four with the Rangers to close it out. How is it in the Rogers Center? because obviously you want a W, but the fans have to be slightly disappointed when they're they're watching Judge get, you know, pitched around. Yeah, it was a little, it's a little weird. And part of that is that, I mean, you've been to Jays games at the Rogers Center in the oh, yeah. years where they're not very good. That place is still crazy for Yankees and Red Sox games because those two fan bases travel well. Um, you know, the Yankees have a lot of longstanding roots in Latin America and you have a... a you know, a Latin Canadian population that that you see a lot of Yankees gear around that park. So I think there's a mix of there are the odd Yankees fan. There's the odd, more casual fan who just wants to see history. And then there are your hardcore Blue Jays fans who are groaning at the other stuff because all they really care about is got to lock up home field, don't want to go to the trop, don't want to go to the trop. So it's a, it's a mix. It's kind of, you know, everyone's kind of on their feet for Aaron Judge's plate appearances, which is always cool. I, I think Monday was kind of the best case scenario is that everyone's really intently focused on the Judge plate appearances and it's a good crowd. And then you get a Jays walk off and you get reminded of, yeah, this is what that crowd's like in 92, 93, 2015, 2016. Um, not all the way there yet in a game like yesterday, but you know, I'd expect more of the same today that 
I think to speak for everyone, like to speak for 40,000 yes, people at once. That. Yeah. Uh, Aaron judge home run in a Jays win is I think the best case scenario. And I think, yeah, if there are, if he gets walked four times again today, you're going to, you're going to hear some, some boo birds, I think a little bit. As you said, you've got uh shy Davidi giving you the info on the, uh, the hot dog consumption. I wonder if you can ask him how uh, the organization feels or just any sort of uh, any information after the fact about the Yankees celebrating in the in the Jays visiting locker room. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, if there's any stories there. I saw Nestor Cortez had, a, I think it was a beer, poured down the back of his pants. Uh, and it, I've never seen that before in a celebration. <laughs> but literally something poured down the back of his pants as he was celebrating. Anyways, it just hurts as a Jays fan to see people celebrating, period, uh, in, yeah. in your stadium. I, I would think, you know, that's something that the Jays should take personal. And, you know, over 162 games, I don't know that those little slights add up to much. But we're here a week and change from the playoffs. The night before, Vlad hits a walk-off and does the, it's my house, this is my house. And then the very next night, your division rival clinches the division against you and is celebrating in your house. Obviously, the Yankees have every right to celebrate. Like, good for them. They they earn that. Um, you know, they'll probably be worse for wear for it today. But, um, yeah, if you're the Jays, I think you have to take that a little bit personally. A night after a big statement about this is Rogers Center and and – you know, John Schneider hasn't held back that we want to host a wildcard series. We'll pitch Manoa if it means getting home field for our fans. And then the Yankees get to do that. I don't know. I take that personally. And I, I'm very interested to see what the intensity level is like tonight, not just during the game, but, you know, in that pregame time as well, because I take it personal. And that's something that, you know, the basketball world is great for all the chip on your shoulder stuff. Baseball can borrow from it a little bit. Chip on the shoulder here the last couple of home games. Yeah, Vladdy seemed like he was borrowing the this is my house, which you see quite often in the NBA. You see Dwayne Wade get on the scorer's table and do that. That's a pretty common thing, so I enjoyed that. Well, let's get to that playoff picture because as of right now, the Toronto Blue Jays would be hosting that wild card series in the 4-5 seed, if you will. They would be. Ha- they have the... The number one wild card seed behind the three division winners of Houston, Yankees, and the Guardians. They would host the race, and if they won that, they would be on the uh, the Astros side of the bracket. They would play the Astros in the NL or the ALDS, excuse me. So my question is, would you rather be on the other side of the bracket, Blake? Because you know the Astros are playing so so well. Would you rather be on the other side of the bracket where you're the sixth seed essentially, and you have to go on the road? It is true. You have to go on the road uh, to Cleveland to win a few games where the Jays are decent, but then be on the Yankees side of the bracket for the DS. Or am I just thinking way too far ahead? Do you take those home games uh, against the Rays as it stands right now? So my answer is, you know, if you could pick and, and you didn't have to worry about trying to, you know, fall down the standings and all the bad karma or bad things that could happen with that. I think you would prefer to be on that side of the bracket. I think Cleveland, even though they've won a lot lately, are a weaker team than Tampa Bay or Seattle. Um, They have really feasted on playing in the American League Central. And you can look at, you know, the standings page and and teams' records against 500, uh, against opponents who are above 500. Nobody other than the, the 
Astros and Yankees really comes out looking all that good. But the remarkable thing is how few games Cleveland has. They've only played 44 games against teams above 500. The Jays have played 84. So in terms of testing the Guardians and seeing, you know, is this actually a playoff caliber team or is this just imbalanced divisions? That's the team I would want to face. You look at the six, seven, eight, nine in their order. It's not very good. It's a pretty top-heavy lineup, um, even with a guy like Andres Jimenez having this huge breakout year. So um, Cleveland is, the, for my money, the worst of those four teams. The Yankees are worse than the Astros. The reality, though, is like you can't you're, – you're out of time to try to get there. So I think the position you're in, you have to just focus on home field. And my big cutoff for them or, or big target would be I would love to go into that Baltimore series Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with home field more or less locked up. That way you can avoid this. Well, do you pitch Manoa to lock up home field stuff? Because I think that conversation is a little bit ridiculous. I don't want a wild card series without Alec Manoa pitching uh, no matter where it is. Uh, but you certainly don't want to end up at the trop given all the horrors there. So this is a long way of saying you don't control. You can't control any of that now except home field so go for home field that's the most important thing the rest of the way yeah i I am somewhat intrigued by watching the guardians in the playoffs because they have a a different style you know they are a a singles type hitting team but that's a great stat great information there that they've only played 44 games above 500 teams because of the breakdown of these interdivision games the, the the heavy amount of games that baseball teams play against their own division, which will change next year, which is uh, pretty smart, uh, IMO. But the question uh, for me, when the Jays, let's be honest, they're going to have a, a, a home field wildcard series. Are you paying to get in or are you using the the credential? You might be working, but but yeah, which, which one are you going to go with? Because you so want to be cheering is, on. Uh... This is honestly, it's a question above my pay grade. Um, Jay's tickets went on sale today, postseason tickets to the public. Uh, I have not purchased any yet because until we have the wild card schedule and until we know if the Jays are at home or on the road, my work responsibilities could change. So mm-hmm. the reason I did this Yankees one was I looked at it like two weeks ago and I was like, look, okay, best case scenario, judge is going for the record and I have seats and I have some friends who are Yankee fans. It'll be awesome. Worst case scenario, the games don't matter as much and I'm working and I can either sell those tickets or give them to those Yankee fan friends who will still want to go. So uh wild card, more expensive tickets, mm-hmm. uh, hotter ticket to try to get. Uh, I, I hope I'm working. Like I, I loved 2015 and 2016 going to some of those games as a fan. I, this being my first year full-time kind of on the Jays beat, I, I would like to work those games in some capacity, whether it's, you know, a pregame show, a postgame show, or just help it. Like there've been a couple times I just hang out in the radio booth and, you know, slip Ben Wagner and Caleb Joseph, some stats here and there or whatever. Uh, I'd like to be a part of that. Yeah. I think it'd be a cool career experience. Yeah. Cause you're always helping out. I didn't mean to paint you in the, co- into a corner by any no, means. No, it's with no that corner course. at all. Uh, but- it's, I, I am nothing but <laughs> genuine. That's, if my bosses are mad that I said, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And they should be no. mad for not knowing – for the Jays not locking up home field yet so we can plan all this appropriately. Right. Uh, I, I'm still flabbergasted by the whole uh, the whole bring your food into the 
stadium <laughs> thing because I was looking at ticket prices because you just brought up ticket prices. I was looking at ticket prices for the Rogers Center, even here in uh, Atlanta, for Otani coming to town and, and just big series. I, I was curious about Jeter. I'm sorry, Jeter. Wow, I got Jeter on the brain. About Judge coming to town. Uh, I'm surprised they don't milk every dollar out of fans and prohibit food from coming in because they're, as you said, the tickets are getting uh, pretty pricey. Uh, but I, I, I do hope the Jays, for their sake, as you said, clinch as early as possible because you know, we're here eight days before the end of the schedule. And just for people who don't know, regular season ends next Wednesday. And then Thursday is off for everybody. And then the wild card series go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three straight games, if necessary. Best two of three. And then the division series start right after that. So I bandied this whole thing, uh, uh, bandied it about earlier in the season, Blake, about whether or not you want to have your guys pitch in the wild card series? Would you, would you rather play in the wild card series just to keep up the rhythm? Or do you want those few days off? It's such a dumb argument, I think. You, it's it's the rest, right? I mean, you yeah. want you want your number one and two and three and fr- fresh because, as you said, Manoa could pitch and then have to pitch in the DS days later. Yeah, not and not only the rest. Like if it were some sort of format where, oh, the higher seed, you know, we. I don't think they'd ever any sport in North America would ever do this because it messes up the TV side of things. But, um, you know, the theory that, oh, if you're the higher seed in the first round, you should maybe you only have to win one game and the other team has to win two. similar to the NBA's kind of um, play in format. Now, maybe it's something like that. Even then, baseball is such a coin flip sport where like, look at the very best teams, right? The, The Yankees are at 95 wins right now. The Astros and Dodgers are are well ahead of everyone, but the Dodgers are going to finish this season having lost more than 30% of the time. And the Pirates beat up the Dodgers a couple series this year. I don't want to take my chances in a three-game baseball series if I don't have to. If I can get the rest, then, you know, yeah, if Manoa and Gosman have to work extra hard on their bullpen day between starts, I'd rather deal with that than, uh, you know, hey, one one bad Bobachet throw or one seeing eye single ends your season when uh when on merit it shouldn't. Give me the give me the rest and the the more certainty of a longer playoff run. Oh, you are so right. With those numbers, you break down those numbers, even the Dodgers, they've lost thirty percent of the time. They're the favorite. They're clearly yep. the favorite. They're so good. But as you said, uh you want to play less baseball. Like if you want to have fewer series, four series versus three series, simple as that. You take the three series. Um, so that's good. You broke it down there. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I just thought it was the rest thing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the coin flip thing is, is a, a huge part of it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, I just want to talk uh, briefly about Bo Bichette, a favorite of so many 
so many people, um, including myself, watching him, even though he had a bad one uh, yesterday, is fun watching him get down in the count and then just battle. Foul pitches off. My first question about Bobichet: Do you like Bobichet's style at the plate? Do you do you like his disposition, his plan at the plate each time he goes up? Lately, yes. So this was a kind of a, a constant talking point for my show early in the year, where when Bobichet struggles, it can look worse than when other players struggle. I think because part of what makes him so good is that he's really, really aggressive early in counts. And part of that is he goes up there with a a plan and he wants to stick to it. But part of it is also that makes a pitcher really uncomfortable. If you know that if you try to get a strike over, like every pitcher wants to start a count 0-1 and get a strike over. That's why the board of Rogers Center will have first pitch strikes on the pitcher's line and things like that. Bo can make you really uncomfortable because you know he's going to jump on stuff early. But... When he's not going well, when he's not seeing pitches as well or, or the swing mechanics are just off a little bit, that's a lot of 0-2 holes. And there's nothing baseball fans dislike more than a guy who has a three-pitch at-bat and you know has to put a weak one in play, 0-2 or something like that. So when Bo's not going, that's there. I would say since maybe the start of August, his plan at the plate and his approach has improved dramatically. And, and some of that is he made a bit of a mechanical tweak. Um, there's a guy named Esteban Rivera at Fangraphs who wrote about it this week. And you can, you know, I, I don't know the swing mechanics stuff as detailed to, to go into it as he did, but you can go and you can look at some videos of how he changed his approach and how that lets his bats stay in the zone a little bit longer and more balanced. Um, but then some of the stuff that I can understand a little better is you look at what pitches is he not swinging at anymore? And what pitches is he swinging at? And Bo is so good at if a pitcher leaves something just too much meat of the plate, he is all over it. And he has that great swing. I mean, his swing is beautiful, first of all, but he has that nice long swing, even though he he has great bat speed too, where he can approach it where like, okay, I'm going to be on a fastball. And if it's a fastball, my swing is going to be timed nicely to pull that thing. But because I cover so much of the plate and I'm so good at adjusting, if it's a breaking ball, well, I'm going to be nice and early on that, and I'm going to identify it quickly enough to put it the other way. So when you see Bo power to all fields, there was that game he had three home runs. One went to left, one went to center, one went to right. That is obviously a three-home run game is perfect anyway, <laughs> but that to me is the the quintessential, oh, Bo's locked in because – he can pull for power. He can go the other way for power. And then, yeah, you mentioned some of the the plate appearances where he's fouling stuff off. He is so elite when it comes to bat-to-ball skill and, and like, just hand-eye coordination and things like that. Um, yeah, if he – it's one thing to do it 0-2. Like, you're probably not going to be able to fight your way back in a count very often. But if you're 2-2, 3-2, and you're just staying alive until the pitcher gives you one of those mistakes, um, he's he's been awesome for, like, two months now. Can't say enough about – and, like, I don't think these are easy changes to make on the fly when you're, what, 20, 24 years old and you've never really had to make big adjustments before because you've had success with that approach. So I'm uh, – pretty over-the-moon happy with, with the way Bo's turned his season around. I wonder why baseball, the R&D people, how, how players are sort of built in labs, that there hasn't been a player that's just 100% a 
player that's meant to foul off pitches. Like he's just <laughs> he's just built to get in the box and get a starting pitcher out of the game and just you know foul off like fifteen pitches uh, if if that could be done. It's it's an interesting thing and. Um, last I checked, I don't have the the numbers handy right now, but there was a point in the season where I looked on, you can look on StatCast on Baseball Savant, you can find anything on there, obviously, but you could sort just by who has fouled the most balls off, and it was Bo Bichette at that point. Now, he hadn't seen the most pitches because, you know, he, he does He's aggressive. play aggressive early in the count, things like that. Um, even the league leaders in pitches per plate appearance only see about 4.3 per plate appearance. So, yeah, I think a guy who could, you know, first of all, you'd need to have like Biggio level willingness to take balls and judge the strike zone. Then you'd need like Bichette level of ability to foul it off and stay alive. And then you would also need some other mental component where a guy doesn't want to get a hit and he's okay just because like if you were good enough to foul everything off you're probably good enough to hit like 275 or something like that so uh, I think the hardest part would be convincing that guy to foul pitches off instead of getting hits yeah as I look at the the playoff picture the the Jays holding on to that uh the wild card spot is is a race and it's important the home court the home field home court the home field wild card spot is important but that's essentially it when it comes to the AL playoff picture we got the Braves and the Mets essentially tied tiebreaker goes to the Mets but essentially tied atop the NL East and then you've got the Phillies Brewers fighting for that last wild card spot but they're those are dwindling the the races are sort of dwindling I I I mentioned that because I'm a little scared I'm a little scared looking at the playoff picture of the the Rays for the Blue Jays I've got them written down as the Tampa Bay Demons because, uh, as you said earlier, um, it, there's it just feels that way, especially going to Trop. But now that that looks like it will it will happen in the Rogers Center, they just split against Tampa. Does that split help slay the Demons for the Blue Jays? Yeah, I don't think it hurts. Certainly, um, you know my my concerns with the Rays are much more about being on the road at Tropicana than they are just the Rays in general. But there's also this element of like, and there's not a great basketball equivalent, but you know how the Pistons always beat the Raptors. Now there's an element of that where like you just assume the Rays are going to figure some stuff out in the playoffs and be more dangerous than they should be, and, and that's not like that upsets the analytical side of me where it's like yeah the rays are an average offense and by most metrics they're the worst of the al playoff teams or at least comparable to cleveland and they only really have like obviously they have a million guys that can pitch two three four innings but after mcclanahan there's not a ton of like oh this guy's a proven front end starter even kluber is like at the back of their rotation now so on paper the rays shouldn't be that scary but then you look and it's like, oh, yeah, well, Randy Rosarena would hit five home runs over a three-game series. And, you know, Jonathan Aranda will have a big moment or or pick your guy. Like, Garrett Clevenger will have a huge relief appearance or something. There's just that weird raisedness. Like, you know, when <laughs> whenever the Spurs draft someone, you immediately be like, ah, shoot, someone else should have taken him. If the Spurs like that guy, there must be something to him. You know, the Keldon Johnson thing. Um yeah, I, I'm, there's a, an element of that with the Rays for me in the playoffs where I think the Mariners are a better team. I, I kind of think I'd rather play the Mariners if it's at Rogers Center. 
They've got a, an outfielder by the name of Jose Siri, uh, for people who don't know. The Rays, yeah, the, they'll come at you with uh, with their iPhone technology. You never know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have some, as uh, as I've heard on the Athletic MLB show, so some holes in their lineup. But, as you said, anything can happen in baseball. In, in a five-game set, um, in a three-game set uh, that they would be lined up for, uh, yeah, anything can, can happen. The Jays, obviously have been looking for a third pitcher if they if they do get into a longer set um and, and it's extremely important when it comes to the postseason when we get to the 92 world series trivia we'll see how important it was back then that's a hint for you but when i came on to uh jay stock plus a couple months ago we, we were discussing who could be that third guy behind gossman and manoa have the jays found that guy so on merit, it's Ross Stripling. Stripling has had a better season than Jose Brios. He's answered pretty much every question about can this guy stick in a major league rotation? Um, three sixteen ERA on the year, and, and I think it's it's right at three or just under three if you look at only the games he started. Had one bad start a couple starts ago, and then got right back to being Ross Stripling. So seven of his last eight starts since he came off the IL have been really good starts. The one question that i would have now if we're talking the five game series and the seven game series later in the playoffs stripling would be my number three and barrio spots in if and when you need a fourth guy in a wild card series though i might be tempted to start jose barrios over stripling just because stripling has that experience coming out of the bullpen uh and being a long man out of the bullpen Barrios has only come out of the bullpen once in his major league career, and it was in 2017. So starting Barrios, hoping he gets you three, four good innings, and then going to Stripling, to me, is more realistic than starting Stripling. And if things don't go well, you got to go to Barrios out of the bullpen. So, um, you know, a game three in a wildcard series is one of those last game of the season, can't hold anything back things uh, uh to use the the water boy uh reference but um yeah so I, i'd be a little torn on that i'd be okay if they just started stripling and said he's been better we're gonna go with him and if it doesn't work we'll go to the bullpen um but i would understand as well we'll let barrios once through the order and then after that you know we'll we'll go to stripling and that'll be our kind of piggyback plan for that game all right, last question before we get to the World Series trivia, which you're going to do great on. Um, taking it off the field here for a sec, because you've covered basketball primarily for a long time, and this is your first year on the Jays beat primarily. What's been the thing that surprised you the most, if there's anything, uh, since you've moved to baseball full-time? Yeah, so there are, you know, I had some curiosities and I've always been a big baseball fan. And back before I was like really established on Raptors, I did a lot of baseball writing as well. Um, but I had never been like around a team every day or on the beat every day. And I had a lot of curiosities about how different a 162 game sport is than an 82 game sport. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is that when you talk to players or coaches or front offices, even media around baseball, and that's not universal for everyone, but the ability of the key players there to kind of stay above the day-to-day -day noise and keep the focus on the bigger picture and not, you know, you have a five-game losing streak, not panic, not make changes that are maybe overreactionary. If you're a hitter sticking to your process and if you, you know, if you're hitting hard, balls hard, Matt Chapman's a great example roping balls into gloves the whole first quarter of the season 
before it really turned around for him. Um, if you're Gosman and every ball in play is falling in, sticking to your plan anyway, the ability of players and coaches to to stick to that kind of long view, and maybe that's not the case if you're a team like you know the Brewers and Phillies right now fighting for their playoff lives where the Jays have a little bit more room for error here. But in general, the ability of the sport and the the people in it to take a breath and not be so up and down day to day like we are in other sports because it would exhaust you in baseball. Um, but I wasn't sure what that was going to be like. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like for me, for the listenership and fan base um, with the players and coaches and stuff like that. So that's probably been my, my biggest takeaway is that there's a everyone seems to have a pretty good handle that they're playing a, a sport that requires some real mental endurance. All right. I, that's, a, that's a good answer. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I appreciate that. I, it makes sense, too, as uh, as you explain it, because it is true. It's, it's just when you go and, and enjoy um, a baseball game, it's uh, you don't. Yeah, you don't get on the highs and the lows the same way. You kind of you, you should ride it out, um, as you said. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's nearing the 30-year anniversary of the World Series between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Atlanta Braves. That was my first sports championship that I experienced as a true fan. I know it was big for you too, Blake, even though you were six years old. Uh, So let's do some 92 World Series trivia. We're going back. 1992, Atlanta Braves, Toronto Blue Jays trivia. I'm going to give you multiple choice, Blake. Okay. Just to to soften the blow a a little bit. So let's start with the first one, and we're going to start right off the top. In game one, which Atlanta Brave hit a home run that produced all the runs Atlanta would need to win the opener from the Toronto Blue Jays? Was it A, Deion Sanders? Was it B, Terry Pendleton? Was it C, Lonnie Smith, or was it D, Damon Berryhill? So I know I know it was off of Jack Morris because Jack Morris started the first game. Yes, you are correct. 
I'm going to say Barry Hill because I feel like I would remember it more if it were Pendleton or, or Deion Sanders. Boom! Out of the park, baby. Jack Morris lifted that leg, delivered to lefty Damon Berryhill, and he took it yard, which, yeah, under the radar, that's a good way of thinking about it. Pendleton or Sanders, yeah, you would probably remember that one more. And I had already forgot who the other option was. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Lonnie Smith is probably in the same, in the Danny Damon Berryhill uh, category, but... Yeah, Barry Hill only uh, 47 career home runs over a 10-year career and uh, ended up yanking that one off Jack Morris. Three was, run- he, was he their catcher? He was their Am catcher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he took over um, that season. Uh, I forget the uh, the other catcher, um, but he, he wasn't the starting catcher at the beginning of the year. Uh, mm. But he took over, and uh, it was, yeah, that was a gut punch for me. Greg Olson was their uh uh, their other catcher, and then uh, it was a gut punch because I just, I just thought if this guy's hitting home runs, now we're screwed. Our ace just got plowed. Uh, but things picked up in game two, and that's where we go for our second question. Things looked bad going into the ninth inning. Jays were down four three in the top of the ninth, but a Blue Jay hit a two run blast to take the late lead, and the Jays would go on to win that game. I see you nodding away. Who hit that homer? Was it A? Roberto Alomar. Was it B, World Series MVP Pat Borders? Was it C, Ed Sprague? Or was it D, Joe Carter? That one is C, Ed Sprague. That's uh, that's on the VHS tapes. That's uh, in the highlight reel. I'm pretty pretty confident that one's Sprague. You are correct. Yeah, it was uh, a pinch hit homer as well. First pitch swinging Ed Sprague. Um, as a, as a, that, just while it seemed like they were going to go down 2-0. But not only was oh, that... Oh, right. Sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I was like, I was like, pinch hit. And then, yeah, that makes total sense because they would have been on the road to start that series, right? So you had your... I, I was trying to think, like, who would he have pinch hit for? But there was no DH for those first couple games. Yeah, he pinch hit in the eight hole. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He pinch hit in the nine hole uh, for the pitcher. But the the hitter before him, a little bonus question here was also a pinch hitter, and he walked to set the stage for Ed Sprague's two-run homer. So an incredible, incredible. It went, Borders got out to start the inning, and then this player walked before Sprague's home run. So do you remember the player who walked? I'm not giving you multiple choices. It's, no. It's tough. It's, I'm going to guess Candy Maldonado because I don't think he was like an everyday starter, but that guess. might be. that's the only bench guy I can guess off the top of my head. Good guess. No, it was Derek Bell. Um, mm. Fourth outfielder, he's probably uh, most well known for a prank that the Jays pulled on him. Uh, do we have that uh, the clip, JD? Yeah, uh, the last game of the '92 season, Joe Carter drove Derek Bell's truck onto the field, <laughs> uh, in, in pretending to be giving it away in a promotion, and Derek Bell just <laughs> didn't know what was going on. It was phenomenal. He's essentially a rookie in the uh, in the bigs, and uh, it was amazing. The Jays had already clinched. These were the these were the good good old days. Oh man, the look on his face! <laughs> it is phenomenal. All right, moving on uh, to the next one. Yeah, there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, great stuff. Next one. Who did Ed Sprague hit that homer off of? Was it A. Mark Wollers, B. Jeff Reardon, C. Mike Stanton? Or D, Steve Avery. 
you remember what that VHS tape was telling you, Blake? No. I know. So they were like kind of not like 2015 Royals-ish, but a little bit. They had a lot of relievers they would lean on. Um, I'm going to say Mike Stanton. I, I, I want to say he got the most save opportunities, but they had like a couple guys closing at that point. So it could have been any. I'm going to go with Stanton. Though. I threw in this one. It was tough. Sorry. Um, it was. It's no, a, you don't need to apologize. No, it was a tough one. Um, yeah, I wanted to add in as many questions as, poss- as possible. It wasn't in there to start, but I wanted to throw it in there because it was okay. a rough couple games for Jeff Reardon. Uh, he, uh, so he got he, he let up that homer, and then he came on to face one batter in the ninth inning of game three. Uh, which was Candy Maldonado, after a bunch of guys pitched. As you said, they had a bunch of guys come in. Jeff Reardon came in for one guy to try and get Candy Maldonado out with one uh, one out, infield in, uh, but Maldonado uh, smacked it over everybody for a now, winning single. Jeff Reardon, Expos legend. Oh, yeah. Maybe he was a sleeper agent the whole time, and they just, like, activated him for that <laughs> series. Like, hey, we want you to play. Stay in the NL, but... <laughs> If it comes to it, we need you to help bring a World Series to Canada. Very well done. I've forgotten. Forgotten Expo for me, Jeff Reardon. Good one. Uh, okay, moving on. Game three, one of the best World Series catches of all time. Devon White running into the wall. It should have been a triple play because they doubled off Pendleton off first. And then there was a rundown between second and third. Kelly Gruber dove, hit the heel of an Atlanta Brave player, but he was called safe uh, by the umpire there. Who was that runner that Kelly Gruber tagged? Was it A, David Justice, B, Lonnie Smith, C, Jeff Blauser? I just wanted to say that name. It's not Jeff Blauser. (laughs) Or D, Deion Sanders? I'm going to, this again, this is not one I remember, but trying to deduce it. I'm going to say Lonnie Smith because he's come up in a couple questions now. (laughs) (laughs) No, save that one for later. It was Deion Sanders. Okay. Neon Dion was just uh, too fast. I feel like I should remember that better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you remember Gruber yelling at the ref, at the ref, at the <laughs> umpire, I'm sure. Um, all right, moving on. Game three. This is what I was uh, uh, referencing earlier in the show about your third pitcher. So important, and this was extremely important. Game three, both starting pitchers went eight innings. Wild. Uh, th- yeah. that, that's, uh, that's a throwback. Are you even allowed to do that now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was crazy looking through these box scores because it happened over and over. Uh, can you name both pitchers? I'll give you combined options here. What were they? Steve Avery and Juan Guzman. Steve Avery and Jimmy Key. Charlie Liebrandt and Juan Guzman. Or Charlie Liebrandt and Jimmy Key. So it was bit... definitely Juan Guzman. You're right about um... that. So Avery or Liebrandt to go along with Guzman. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Avery. Bang! Okay. Big game three performance from well, both Juan Guzman and Steve Avery going eight innings. Wild. Um, all right, moving on to uh, game five. I wonder if... Uh, gave Wait, it... did we skip game four? Yeah, we're skipping game four. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got the job done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one that uh, nothing extremely revelatory. Yeah, uh, Pat Borders, I think, hit the, the solo blast in that one. It's funny because Pat Borders isn't really involved in a lot of these questions, but he went on to win uh, MVP just because he was hot uh, hitting the ball. But he did hit a, he did hit a big solo home run. Yeah, we're skipping game four. Uh, they're up 3-1. The Blue Jays are in game five. 
who hit the fifth inning grand slam off Jack Morris that put the Braves ahead 7-2. Yeah, I can give that one was uh that one was Lonnie Smith then, right? You hit it out of the park. Okay. That's right. Yeah. You, t- you kind of handed me that one with uh, telling me Lonnie Smith uh, was going to be an answer at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, that one's a memorable one. Grand Slam in the World Series. You don't, you don't yeah. see that too often. Uh, but, yeah, off Jack Morris, who lost two games that series. Yeah, I was going to say, he had, a, he had a rough go. Coming off that World Series MVP with the Twins the year before, which he pitched like that 10-inning, seven, game seven, right? Um, he, he, that was, that was wild. So the Jays, yeah, hired gun right there going to get him, but he was 0-3 in the playoffs and lost both games in the world series. And they were still able to win. You had a 743 ERA in, in the postseason, Oof. but they had a hired, another hired gun in David Cohn that solidified things. And then Guzman and Jimmy key, uh, Lonnie Smith won three world series in the eighties. Didn't realize huh. that as I, uh, as I did my research here, a few more Blakey, cause you're rocking it. Uh, we right. know how game six ended in. The 11th inning. Uh, Nixon bunts. Timlin's on it. Throws to first. Mike Timlin got the save. But what Blue Jay pitcher picked up the series winning win in game six? Was it Dave Steep? Jimmy Key? David Wells? Or David Cohn? Yeah, it would be Key because that was kind of the, the thing of like, oh, well... He's coming out of the bullpen now. Like him being that swingman dual role thing was like a, that was a big a big part of that story. So I'm gonna go with Jimmy Key. Money, money right. in the bank. You, you're six years old and you remember that I was sleeping through Jimmy Key's inning. No, I, I I don't remember it like from that. I remember <laughs> it from I've watched those World Series highlights a million times. And I think I think even during the pandemic they were like replaying those games on TV or something like that because there were no sports. Uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah. It is interesting. He started Game Four and uh, had an inning in a third key key moment there, where Tom Hinkie blew the save, and then he came in uh, to yeah as a, a swingman. And that's only a that's only like a three day turnaround to come out of the bullpen. That's like David Price style. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. All right, two more questions. All right. Um, the winning hit in that game. Who drove in the game-winning runs in the 11th inning of Game 6 for the Blue Jays with a big double? Was it A, Joe Carter? B, Kelly Gruber? C, Roberto Alomar? Or D, Dave Winfield? Dave Winfield. All he does is Winfield. Dave Winfield, a big bat, another hired gun, the DH that season. You remember that as well. You remember it all. I was Nah, I've got a couple of these wrong. Nah, you're on fire. Last one, you're going to get this one wrong. Nah, we'll see. We'll see. This is we're going off the field. We're going to the Olympics. Oh, Ed Sprague's wife. This was a story back then. Kristen Bab Sprague was an Olympic gold medalist that same year in 1992. In what event did she win gold for the USA? Was it A, fencing? Was it B, 10 foot diving? Was it C, handball or was it d synchronized swimming jeez <laughs> i don't even i'm trying to like come up with like tricky ways to figure this out and like i don't know where ed sprague went to college and mm, i don't know what colleges have good synchronized swimming systems <laughs> or whatever um i'm gonna go with you said diving was one of the options yeah 10 foot diving 
Okay, I'll go with I'll go with diving. As much as synchronized swimming is funnier to me, um, I'll go with diving. Ah, you're right to be in the pool, but it was synchronized swimming. Damn. Jeez. Uh, uh, what was her name again? I want to Christ- I want to look this up. Kristen Bab Sprague. And is there even a event 10 foot diving wouldn't it be 10 meter or five meter diving three oh interesting mr metric well Uh, i would have i would assume that i don't think that's a thing so that that would that was a bit you know i guess yeah a 10 feet off the diving board (laughs) is not a not a lot now that i picture it that's like you're right your friend with the cool the cool pool with a high diving board that's like you could do like a jeff hardy swanton bomb as your 10 foot dive Uh, i don't know what the judges will score it though uh yeah i'm uh just to confirm i i yeah i was coming up with this in in my bed uh, about 5 30 a.m this morning and that was that was what came to me as an event i went 10 foot um but 10 meters you're right you're right jd it's uh it's 10 meters so um yeah that was a trick i threw that in there on purpose uh but yeah uh kristen babsprey yeah that was a story that year because it was in barcelona she won what i don't Talk about things I got wrong here with the Olympics. Apparently, the event is women's solo. It's a synchronized swimming, but women's solo. I'm not. Under, I don't understand what that. Who means. are you synchronizing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the the diver diving off ten feet in the other pool. I have no idea. <laughs> um, anyways, that was a big deal, I think, because uh, Sylvie Frechette, if you remember that, a Canadian name was involved in that. Um, but that's it. Kristen Babb Sprague, the answer there. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much, Blakey. I, I appreciate you doing that with me. That was a lot of fun. 92 World Series trivia, baby. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll let you go, sir, but uh, can you tell the people where they can find your work? Well, first they can find me right back in this spot. Next year we'll do 93 trivia since this is the 30th anniversary next year. <laughs> um, no, uh, so throughout the playoffs, uh, Jay's Talk Plus – on Sports of 590 The Fan or wherever you get your podcasts. It's uh the podcast feed is Blue Jays Talk. Um don't know specifically until we get a playoff schedule what that'll look like, but uh it's three to five every day right now, and we're going to two to five next week. We're expanding for uh the playoff push. So check that stuff out. And then yeah, come basketball season, I'll be I'll be doing something, Raptors. I think you should take a photo of each game that you're at the Rogers Center this postseason with your food. No, because I'm curious what you're eating uh, in every every game. And I'm curious, yeah, whether you bring it in. Are you a big food eater at the game or you're just a working man? No, I mean, like on a on a baseball day, you're there long enough that you, you need to eat something. And the media meals, I mean, you've been as media mm-hmm. for NBA before. Like they're they're a little hit and miss. They're they're up and down. So um I'm a like keep some trail mix and a granola bar in my backpack just in case guy. Uh, but also, like, would it shock anyone if I rolled up and I had bulk barn bags for media row? No, I don't think that would surprise anyone either. <laughs> bulk barn. Beauty, beauty Canadian Free advertising. There. Who am I? That's uh, that's not like me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No charity to, to corporations. Uh, all right, Blake, really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. The great Blake Murphy dropping a lot of information there about the Blue Jays, the playoff race. That was a lot of fun. Uh, We're done here. The next No Bunts will be the day after the regular season, the morning of October 6th, setting up the wild card round. 
because the season is ending on October 5th. And as I said, no more casualness about this show. We're getting into the nitty gritty. We're going to be watching a lot of playoff baseball. Maybe we'll have a little watch party because uh, I'll be watching at night. Get people on uh, watching as well. Make sure you check out our other shows this week. We had a lot of fun. Skeets and I broke down NBA Media Day on an episode of No Dunks. We talked Ime Udoka. We talked the Boyan Bogdanovich trade. Uh, we talked about just interesting stories coming up this season. Uh, in another episode of No Dunks, Trey and I talked to Alex Wong, producer, co-host of the Raptors show uh, in Canada, also author of Cover Story, a great, great, great book. Uh, there's an episode of Is This Good coming on this feed uh, later today. Topics include, what are they, J.D.? Well, water parks. Uh-huh. Musicals. And what's the other one? What's that last picture there? See, there's someone Oh, scanning. self-checkouts. Self-checkouts. Oh, yes. exciting It'll be stuff. spicy. We got uh, Skeets and Lee, so it's always spicy. Those two are on <laughs> together. Uh, also, uh, an episode of No Buffs. Covering Survivor is coming Thursday after uh, episode two of Survivor 43 tonight. 90-minute episode tonight, Tess. How do they decide? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) That didn't happen last year, I don't think, in episode. Oh, I'm pretty sure it did. (laughs) Pretty sure it did. They go from two hours in episode one and have the gall to give you another 90-minute um, there's got. I mean, I honestly, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna love it. But right now, I'm not. I'm like, I've got to sit through 90 minutes of live television. Ugh. Yeah. But I, I'm gonna love it when it's happening. Why don't you watch it taped? Because I gotta go to. I show. gotta get up at five to take my kid to the gym every day. So. Oh yeah, but um, during the season, you're gonna be recording a little later. That's right. Positive. Being positive, Pete. Yes, here, thank you, positive Pete. Because we will have a daytime no dunk show coming up very, uh, very soon. Every Thursday, we'll be recording at 10 a.m. Because the season is upon. A season previews uh, are coming very, very soon. But yeah, check out No Buffs. It's in its own feed, both as a podcast and on YouTube. All right, Clipper Bros. Oh, we're doing that. We don't uh, do that no, we don't have time. to do that. Yeah, let's not do it today. Let's not do that. Yeah, no uh, Clipper Bros. No Clipper Bros. <laughs> uh, let's just close it out. Tom Hankey, throw the heater. Ball game. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 